Good morning. Welcome to Celebration this morning. Truly a treat for me to, to be worshiping with you here today. As we enter the season of Advent, celebrating the promised Jesus, who has come and is coming again, we light candles each week to remind us of the gifts we have been given in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On the first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of hope, remembering the words of 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth, which is into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last days. As we profess our faith in song, let us stand if you are able and sing together the four verses of Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. You may be seated. For those of you that are gathered in the sanctuary today, or whether you're gathered in the sanctuary of your own home, as we enter this season of Advent, whether old or young, whether we come full of doubts or we have some, con we have some doubts or if we're full of confidence, whether we're in joy or whether we're in sorrow, in this place, we are all a family because of what Jesus did for us when he chose to enter our broken world. God greets you in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Pastor Bill and Mary Lynn get a little bit of a break, so um, they are all doing well, and they want you to know that, and uh, they truly treasure some time to just get away and just to have some relaxation and restoration, so they send you your, their greetings. Also this morning, we, pa we welcome Pastor Lewis Ford, and he will be giving the message in just a little bit. Um, Lewis is from First Reformed Church in Holland here. He is a pastor of spiritual life, and he's also a friend of many and a um, classmate and a friend of our pastor, JB, over at the Fusion community. So welcome this morning, and we're excited to have you here. So. A couple of things coming up, and a way that you can support missions here at Hardawike, they have a couple of fundraisers going on to support the Dominican team, which will be heading out next year. They are having a holiday pie sale, and uh, they have eight choices. All that information, you see it up there, and um, otherwise you can order it online too, or you can stop in the office if you'd like to do that. But uh, they will be ready in time for Christmas meals on December 20, and the deadline, I believe, is December 8 to order those pies. And another fundraiser they're doing is Pig in the Blankets. So for a half a dozen uh, frozen pigs uh, for $13, you can have a lovely treat uh, to share with those in your circle. And those, again, um, stop by the office if you'd like to pick those up. December 12, coming up sooner than later is our um, scripture and songs service. We invite you to join us for a potluck at 4.30 in the great room before that service, and then we'll be meeting here in the sanctuary um, to celebrate the birth of our Savior through songs in scripture. And then finally, I just wanted to mention that the Hope Christmas Store is coming up next week, Saturday already, on December 4. This is the 15th year that we've offered this opportunity for families within our circle of Neighbors Plus to come and uh, purchase toys at a very low cost. But in order to do that, we need to provide the toys. So if you would like to join us, there's a way that you can sign up online um, through our Amazon wish list, or you can um, stop by the little Christmas tree I think is out in the Narthex area and pick up an ornament and um, we will have enough toys for our children. That would be wonderful. Finally, um, as well, if you would like to connect with us online, uh, just visit hardawike.com and you can, uh, there'll be a way for you to fill out a connect card online there and we'd love to, to get to know you better. So let's continue our service with the promises of this Advent season as we declare our words from the, um, our we, we, as, as we declare our faith through the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, question number 35. <clears throat> question. Was, does it mean that he, the Son of God, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? And altogether, that the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself through the working of the Holy Spirit from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary, a truly human nature, so that he might also become David's true descendant, like his brothers and sisters in every way except for sin. Let us respond by singing three verses from God himself is with us, and that can be found in your hymnal number 56. God himself is with us.
Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Lord, what a privilege to come before you today, knowing that the sweetest time of the day is when we pray, because we are talking to the one who loves us the most. Loving Jesus, in your name, we mark the beginning of this Advent season. We pray for your light to defy the darkness. We pray for joy and song to break the grips of fear and sadness. We pray for a spirit of generosity to overcome the temptation of greed. And we pray for peace to penetrate the walls of war, both visible and invisible. As we look to Bethlehem, may we truly take the time to reflect upon that, upon those humblest of circumstances. You as a most vulnerable child, seemingly helpless, you came among us to say, there is a light in this world. It is I, the promised one. May we too act upon your promise by being your light to others. Let us be the bearers and sharers of this indescribable gift that is your grace. Let us imitate your life in such a way that others will want to know you too. And may we too embrace what you have done because you so loved the world. And so may you be born again in us today and every day into every season of our life, into every age, from the infant to the grandparents, into every land and every human heart. Lord, we pray that you heal our land, arrest our fear, and strengthen our faith. There are those two right now who are within our own worshiping communities who need to feel your gentle yet steady grip as they face medical treatments, serious illnesses, surgeries, fragile relationships, and the loss of loved ones. We continue to pray for John and Beth as they walk the tender journey of cancer. We pray for Dottie and Jean that as each day passes, they may feel your presence as Jean seeks to regain some of his strength. We give you thanks that Doug is recovering from recent knee surgery. And we pray for those who are in our midst, in the midst of this first holiday season, without a loved one by their side. In these unfamiliar territories, their lives have been uprooted. Together, enable us to seek ways to walk alongside them, whether in practical ways or in pastoral ways. They need to know that we are there for them making our prayers not just through words, but also through actively living out those prayers into their lives. And through it all, as we carry each other through these troubled waters, let us remember that we are never more like you, Jesus, than when we pray and when we care for others. We also lift up those in authority over us as we hear from 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. We pray that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Please instill them with wisdom and clarity and boldness and gentleness. 
to make decisions that are founded in justice and lived out in the spirit of goodness and mercy. We pray for Governor Whitner, Whit Whitmer, <clears throat> and we pray for the Attorney General, Dana Nessel. We pray for the Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. We pray for our House of Representatives, Mary Whitford and Jim, Jim Lilly and Bradley Slaw. And we pray for our State Senator, Roger Victory. And finally, we pray for those missionaries, our missionaries in Haiti, who remain in ransom captivity. We give you th thanks for the safe release of two of them. And we are earnestly praying now that through leadership, there will be effective negotiations for the release of the remaining 15 men and women and children so that they too may be reunited with their families unharmed. <clears throat> we now pray a blessing upon Pastor Lewis Ford as he shares his message with us this morning and at Fusion as well. We give you thanks for Pastor Aaron as he leads the watershed community and we give you thanks for the ministry of Pastor Bill, Pastor Sarah, Pastor Darwin, and Pastor Nate. We are blessed too with a wonderful staff of caring people that continue to minister to us with care and compassion. May our reciprocal prayers of love and support continue to nurture them as they attend to us in a wide variety of ways through their servant hearts out of their love for you. As we examine our own lives, help each of us take the time to pause each day, to intentionally reflect on your goodness through prayer, to remain in your will for our life by seeking contentment, and to rejoice out loud through our words and our actions. For it is in you that we find our greatest treasure, our safest harbor, and our most beautiful sanctuary. And when we reflect this to those within our circle, others too will be attracted to the hope that we have, the hope of the gospel. Finally, compassionate Father, as our soul strength and our comfort, we conclude our time by praying the prayer that you gave us by voicing the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. As Mary has already said, my name is Lewis Ford. Currently, I'm a minister of Word and Sacrament over at First Reformed in Holland. Um, small connections, I'm finding out that I know some of you just because of the fact that I walk my dog all around uh, the neighborhood. So if he's ever left a gift for you, I apologize uh, in advance. I often carry two little doggy bags with me. Uh, so again, my, my apologies. Um, I do know JB. I've known him since our freshman year of college. No matter what he tells you, I've always been his greatest friend that he's ever uh, known and the inspiration for why he's in ministry. 
uh, as well. But one of the great joys was hearing the process of him getting his call uh, to be a part of Hardwick as well. Um, he talks up the relationship of the staff, and on Tuesday I had a chance to sit both with uh, Bill, uh, JB as well, and Aaron uh, to see the collaboration that they have on talking through the Advent series, and it was great for them to invite me in on the process uh, as well. And so I take great joy knowing that he is uh, a part of this place. It's also fun to uh, be here with you today to get to know your ministry, everything from supporting missionaries and pigs in the blanket. Oh my gosh, never stop doing that because those are so delightful. Um, but I love hearing other churches faithfully live out their call uh, locally. Uh, what I heard uh, even in passing was that they're doing a baptism over at Watershed today and just... Praise God all around. So thank you uh, for allowing me to be here with you today, for sharing in the word um, as well, and for uh, giving a chance for uh, Bill to have a little R&R &R and uh, for JB to go and be with his family uh, as they mourn the loss of his grandmother. I'll be reading from the genealogy of Matthew, hopefully to uh, set up the whole theme of Advent, but then the primary text that we will come around today will be Colossians 1. Uh, 15 through 20, I think it will hopefully provide an understanding of what our true hope actually is, along with um, what it means for us to lean into God who has always fulfilled his promise, but even seen more visibly in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'll read from Matthew chapter 1, then I will read from uh, Colossians, and I'll gladly open us up in prayer. Let us go to God's word. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Minadad, Aminadad the father of Nashan, Nashan the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile of Babylon. After the exile of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheatil, Sheatil, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And from Colossians 1, 15 through 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross." says, as far as we'll go with God's word, let me open us up in prayer. God, we do praise you and we give you thanks for gathering us today, centering us on song and scripture and confession and creeds, reminding us in this season of hope, in this season of anticipation, what we wait for, for Jesus to come again. So God, we thank you for the life and witness of your son who was the word that put on flesh that dwelled among us to point us to you. Grant that today we will be able to remember our identity in Christ, to go forth from this place to serve in likeness of his witness, to be your mercy and truth on the north side, on the south side, and beyond. This we pray. Amen. As I said, to uh, sit with all three ministers and have them kind of give the framework of what was happening with Matthew uh, 1, 1 through 17, Uh, both Bill and JB told me that I should be the one who reads it because I could be the one butchering all the names and just get everything ready for you as a congregation. And the thing that I kind of pieced together when they wanted to establish this idea of hope and Messiah and God's promise, I kept on coming back to a supplemental text of Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Uh, Although both of these are not necessarily tied or married to each other, I do think that one kind of lifts the other. One informs the other, and they're not regularly used, but I believe in this season of Advent, we can understand what hope actually is. For in Matthew, we have the full aspect of Israel's history and uh, a present reality. What does that mean for this congregation? What does it mean for the church, whether it is First Reformed, whether it is here as well? And for what the future of the world could be, summarized in Christ's birth and his life, his death and resurrection. And how it points to this consistent nature of God maintaining his covenant, his promise, all the way back from Abraham moving forward. There's this kind of theme of hope that we anticipate. Uh, I got a lot of ideas about hope. I went to Hope College. Woohoo! Anybody? Anybody here? I forgot that I'm at a CRC congregation. Anybody from Calvin? Okay, all right, all right. I'm not going to go after that then. But, anyways, hope. Woohoo! But when I think about other things about hope, when I went to Hope College, uh, I started to have a hope for a future. I wanted to know what I could be when I grew up. So I dabbled in computer science because I wanted to make billions of dollars. And then math got in the way of that. It slowed me down (laughs) fast. 
the hope of maybe meeting a spouse, the hope of having wonderful friends, the hope of uh, aging well and never experiencing loss or grief. And yet that hope, those are good things to wish upon, and yet it doesn't fully capture this biblical notion of hope. What does it mean to have true hope? Hope in an everlasting peace, hope in an anticipation of our inherited salvation. And so I think Colossians and I think Matthew kind of play with each other. I think that we can do this delicate dance of understanding. When we talk about hope, when we talk about the Messiah, there has to be a framework at which we can all kind of come around to look to Jesus Christ, our Lord, that he was born, that God put on flesh and dwelled among us. And I love Colossians. I think Colossians kind of introduces us to this messianic promise. Verse 15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus Christ himself is the image, the expressed image of God. And in Matthew's portion, we come to understand the fullness of Israel's history. We have different genealogies, and some of them have different names, and that's okay. The authors had different intended purposes. Matthew goes after this wonderful framework to say, from Israel's covenant to the fruition of all things that God has ever done through history, the culmination of that is the arrival of Jesus Christ. The fullness of Israel's history through the Messiah, the anticipation of the Messiah, or Messiah. It starts with Abraham. It jumps down to David. We see what covenant looks like where God looks upon his people and says, I will be your God. And then he leads them to the point where they start to wander a little bit. And we know the story of Joseph. The people get sold into slavery. They're actually bound up together until we have one of our favorite stories. Moses comes along. The cries of the people come up to God. And he moves to the point where Moses with Aaron, they kind of lead the people uh, out of captivity. They wander through this sea that is parted. They go to this other side, and then God provides the law. He gives these commands. It's a beautiful story of covenant and faithfulness showing up in the law. How ought you worship this God? So there are these commands that summarize this ability to have no other gods before God, but also what it means to have love for one another. I might be rehashing some of this story. It's familiar territory. Moses can't go to the other side because he smacked a rock. Aaron has to inherit. They go over. And eventually they don't live out the commands, but they want a king. In anticipation of a good king, the right king, Israel's greatest king. And we see that within the genealogy where it's tied to King David. And the line goes on, but then they misstep and we see the exile. What happens with the Babylonian invasion where they send half of the people outside of where the temple gathering is and where they maintain some of them and they just get exiled and we have all the writings from Isaiah as well as Lamentations, communities that are centered on grief, waiting for Israel's true king to come back to restore all things. Hope. Hope that goes beyond Pastor Lewis meeting his girlfriend at college. Hope and anticipation of salvation itself. 
And so one thing that is unique about Matthew's genealogy, besides the impossible names to pronounce, it's capturing the fullness of Israel's history from covenant all the way through David as king to exile to then Jesus being born. We see these words that we come around from Old Testament and Psalms and everything along that where God has been active on behalf of his people to bring them back. And then we have this verse, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Christ is the image of God, this full expression of God himself in man. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. You know, no one, as First John tells us, no one has ever seen God. And yet, there is this way of staring into the expressed image of Jesus Christ to better understand who the Father is and what the will of humanity ought to be. Uh, when I was uh, growing up, um, just to hopefully date myself with a little bit of my age, um, you know, we didn't have them fancy cell phones growing up. I mean, I had to go outside and I had to push like a hoop around with a stick, you know, to play outside. And no, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. That joke failed. But uh, one of the things that I loved anticipating in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, uh, Grand Rapids Press would come around and we get the Sunday paper and eventually they started showing these visuals on there that were these weird patterns. And there was a season in my childhood in which there was this uh, thing. You'd see all these patterns. They'd have books, and you'd stare at it really close, and then you'd start pulling your face away, and these 3D objects would start to come out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a magic eye. I was so bad at it. I could never figure it out because, one, you look goofy doing it as a kid. I'm pointing the newspaper up to my face. I wanted to see what it was. You're staring at it like this, and then you have the older sister that comes and just bats it, and you're like, ah, that's sin. And so what ends up happening, you start to learn how to pull it back, but your eyes look cross-eyed. You're always kind of squinting. You make faces like this in hopes to see what the image is. But you have to stare. You have to look intently. And there is something about this passage for us to understand that Christ is the image of God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And when we think about the Messiah, in order for us to understand the full purpose of Jesus Christ, we have to become intimately close to see the image of God the Father that is revealed in all of these passages. No one has ever seen God. And yet, the visible representation of both man and God, the fullness of that is in Jesus Christ. If we want to know the role of the Messiah beyond just death and resurrection, we have to study who Jesus Christ was. This life and witness of Christ beyond just the historical representation of Jesus being this individual who came and was born for our salvation, and yet it moves beyond that on how we turn this chaotic world back towards the kingdom of God. We have to look to the story. We have to look to the teachings, how he worships to understand the Lord, to have wisdom and knowledge and understand forgiveness, to understand God's covenant. We have to look to our hope in Jesus Christ. I love this passage as well because it 
is not just tied, although I believe it is so crucial to have a healthy understanding of Jesus Christ. And yet it says, for in him all things were created, that he was the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. There's this secondary notion that the fullness of Israel's history, not just to have a true king, not just to have a true representation or a great high priest, but also what it means for creation itself, this new Jerusalem that will come down, this hope for a future when all things are restored, the lion, the lamb. And so within this passage, we recognize that all things were created in and through Christ for him as well. That creation belongs to Christ. Jesus is the agent in which God creates. We know the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This earth was a formless, chaotic void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The spirit was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light speaking, creation, whatever, I don't think he used English, and yet there was some form of this spoken notion, God's word, the same word that appeared to the prophets, the same word that appeared to Israel's history as well, uh, to the kings, the word of the Lord that came to Jonah. And then John bookends that by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and that word put on flesh. And so there's something beautiful about the relationship between the Father and the Son existing at creation that when God creates all things, doesn't matter if it's puppy dogs, doesn't matter if it's trees, the great mountains, the majesty of creation itself testifying to who God is, the spoken word of creation in Jesus. That creation exists for Jesus, that creation came to through the word of Christ. Jesus is the agent in which God creates. And so the reason why I want to talk about that from a Messiah standpoint or a hope, if the first part was we have to understand Jesus to understand the true hope, the true future of what it could be, then maybe this second one is to offer a word of grace to everyone in this room, just a little bit. I, uh, can I, yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of name it for you. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable. Don't use it against me. Uh, if you do, then buy me, I don't know, like those little beautiful pigs in a blanket. That can be your apology. It's helping missionaries. Just give them to me. Normally, I don't like being introduced as a pastor. Now, in this context, Totally cool with it. Uh, So I grew up in West Michigan. I went to Tulip Time I don't know how many times. That's probably why I have a receding hairline. I have to fight whatever's going on here because copious amounts of elephant ears. Num, 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 num. And yet, one of the things that was always interesting growing up, uh, there would always be a couple of people, especially when I was in band, where we would come around the corner and I'd be tooting my little saxophone and you would see a couple people holding on uh, to just these giant signs where they'd be yelling at people saying, turn or burn. And that was always burned in my mind and in my heart that somehow that was evangelism. 
And so when I became a pastor, uh, even leading into being a pastor or a youth director, it doesn't matter if I went to go get my hair cut somewhere or if I was uh, shopping at a place, inevitably somebody would say, what is it that you do? And that's after there's a relationship that's already been established in which hopefully you can understand I'm sometimes fun and a little bit jovial and I like relationship. And as soon as the words come out of my mouth, I'm a pastor, it's, it just changes the tone. Suddenly guards go up and they're wondering, can, I, am I using grammar correctly? Like you can see this weird judgment. I'm not judging. And so I don't like saying I'm a pastor. I don't like doing that. And uh, I don't like recognizing that even being a pastor, I'm a single guy, it has decimated my dating life, right? Nobody wants to marry a pastor. Ugh. And so we have this imprint upon creation. We have this imprint about the visible aspect of God and Jesus when all things, all things have been created in him and through him to be redeemed and restored unto him. And he is the word that put on flesh, that dwelled among us, who taught us how to live and love. And so what I want to offer you in this season of hope in anticipation whether you like being introduced as a pastor or not, out of maybe it might threaten the relationship. Uh, maybe if sometimes you muddle your words around colleagues or friends, not knowing how to say, how can I pray for you or ought we pray together? If we don't know how to uh, sometimes relate or evangelize, we don't know if we can invite, how do we invite? There's always that kind of what's going on. And even if we come to this place in which I truly believe what Jesus Christ tells us in different passages, if ever there is a moment where I keep silent or something happens where I am intimidated, the consistent story of God is how he revealed himself to his people beyond us. For even if I keep silent, the rocks will cry out on his behalf. And I want to offer that as a word of grace because sometimes we have to let the mountains proclaim his glory. Sometimes we have to let the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. Sometimes we have to trust the fact that God is in control of both the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. Moving forward throughout this season of anticipation, you might be having a heavy heart or you might be anticipating great joy for this Christmas meal that is the first time since pre-pandemic people are coming forward to. But I want to offer you just a little bit of grace recognizing uh, whether you intend to or not, God's word will go before you in Christ during this season of hope, behind you, and be beside you, even in our shortcomings as well. We have the aspect that he is the firstborn over all of creation, and we come to recognize that he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. It's an interesting season as well, COVID and pandemic, and it's crazy. Two years ago, when we were trying to figure out how to be chaplains out at Camp Geneva, when they were canceling the first three weeks, I've been a chaplain out there ever since I worked on staff. Oh, the greatest joy ever to just let kids be chaotic, to have fun, to be merciful, to go polar bearing. Oh, best memories of my life. It ties, it binds me to this purity. 
And so when they had to cancel that first week, it broke my heart. It just decimated my soul. And all of us have experienced loss, maybe during this season or not. Maybe some of us have experienced uh, death to uh, a loved one. And as I've gotten older and I've been surrounded more and more by death, being in the pastorate, I'm exposed to it. Um, I've had uh, friends who were mentors already at First Reformed who have passed in the last couple of years, and you just know that that is a season that we do anticipate death. But sometimes it's not physical. Sometimes it's tied to relationship. I've had close friends that uh, I met in college that have already gotten married, and they've also suffered divorce. You can see death of relationship. Uh, death on things falling apart. It doesn't matter if it's tied to grandparents aging or parents who are passing. It doesn't matter if it's tied to a fear of COVID or it's tied to just fear of what's being heightened in this area, how people interact with each other through Facebook, who's scorning who and who's talking to who and who's breaking apart the body. Death. And I don't know you as a congregation, but I'm sure if I ask the question uh, after you and I sit down for coffee, how have you experienced suffering? How have you experienced death? Physically or other, we might be able to share in suffering and it might be around a cup of coffee and maybe tears would be involved. And also in this season of anticipation and what true hope looks like, this promise of this eternal turn, this hope for a future that sometimes we can't fully hold on to quite yet because we're surrounded by so much chaos and death. I just want to offer this thought that God who revealed himself in Christ, who was born and lived and died and rose, who also put on flesh... He has shared in our suffering before we were even born. He has shared in conflict and death and destruction from John the Baptist being beheaded to Lazarus, from Peter pulling out the sword in the midst of conflict to James and John wanting to bring fire down from heaven because they were rejected in Samaria. Christ was near then and by the power of his Holy Spirit, he does not leave us orphaned in this season at all. And so, as we see that he even raised supreme as being the firstborn among the dead, he has supremacy in the midst of suffering. And in this present reality, the joy of anticipation, when we come to see all of these candles that will eventually be lit before us, what a hope we have in Christ for when there will be a season when there will be no more death, no more tears. So let that sit with you, that in the midst of an empty chair this last Thursday, because somebody in your life has passed, or whether there's tensions with family over figuring out who do you invite, all the turmoil when it's tied to vaccination or masks and all those things, I just want to offer you this, that Christ by his spirit, our true hope of salvation is with you even now. The bookend of this, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God's peace, this mediation of humanity in the midst of sin and finding out what reconciliation looks like. We are so grateful to anticipate this birth narrative, but also to recognize that you and I have already been declared righteous by Jesus Christ. 
There's this fullness of God's peace, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And although I believe that we let Advent be Advent and then we'll have Easter as Easter, like we'll let those seasons come around, we have to hold that a little bit in tension that God's fullness in him to reconcile the, or all of earth and humanity has already been accomplished. Through death and resurrection, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you are declared righteous. This season of hope and anticipation is such an interesting one, but we do trust that we have a Messiah that is consistent with the history of Israel itself, from God's covenant leading all the way to the giving of the law, to when the word put on flesh, that even in the midst of this season, if you and I leave today and we don't know how to pray, we trust that the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. But even if we don't know how to invite people to come here, the rocks are crying out on your behalf. And even if it is entering into a season where we have experienced death or hardship, Christ is near you. And to recognize that it has already been accomplished as well. So friends of this congregation, with uh, Pastor Bill as well, as we will go our separate ways in just a little bit, it is my hope that as you lean into this season, you will trust in the hope that in Jesus Christ you are a new creation, that in Christ you have a hope for the future without suffering, that you can look to the image of God in Christ for your future as well. Let me pray for you. God, we do give you thanks and we give you praise for the goodness of uh, Hard Wake Ministries, for celebration, for watershed, for the collegiality that I was even invited into to explore the purpose you have for the people gathered today. God, we trust that as you send us, we will be able to represent your mercy and truth a little bit more. God, thank you for all those who gathered here today, whether in this sanctuary or worshiping with us online. May your hope and peace in Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Lord, be with us as we go. As we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, we will now sing together, Come Thou Almighty King, number 492.
Friends, as you go today, it's my hope that this uh, service blessed you and will send you very well to continue to faithfully serve the Lord in the midst of this Advent season. So thank you uh, on behalf of First Reform for letting me share with you uh, today, as well as we're all partners in the exact same kingdom to serve one another more faithfully. And please receive this from Philippians uh, as your benediction. May the peace of God which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.